in the practice of meditation, there's always a, a quality of doing. We use the word practicing. There's a, an engagement. There's a direction given to this body, this mind. We talk about a path. A path necessarily has meaning as a, a path in that it allows beings to travel in a particular direction. So there's these elements of, of choosing, taking a direction, making an effort, doing. One of the main issues with meditation one of the most important areas to really understand, to get a feeling for, is how that kind of, of directing of our mind, our body, how that kind of doing, and choosing, following a path, how that can be done without creating more of a sense of uh, agitation, dissatisfaction stressfulness <clears throat> just as with the posture we make the effort to sit in a, a skillful beneficial meditation posture they say that uh, when a healthy baby reaches a certain age they when they can sit up then they sit in the with the spine in the perfect posture they're alert paying attention. They're not stressing or straining, they're just sitting with the body upright. So that same kind of natural alertness, that the quality of uprightness is exactly what is most helpful, supportive in terms of meditation. Arranging the body so that it is a, a support for that quality of Interest, attention, awake to the present reality. So when we establish the posture, be alert to the ideas of I should, I must, I want to, I have to, I really wish I could. All those I-makings and mine makings that the, the mind t tends to create. I should, I must, I want to, I have to, I can't. So it's not that effort doesn't need to be made, but the important thing is how much that feeling of I and me and mine gets into the picture how much that is a driving force in the effort that is made. So just like a, a baby sitting upright doesn't have the thought, I must sit upright, it's just interested, it's looking around, so it sits upright. There's no, I must, I should, I have to. And similarly, with the meditation, in the sitting posture, whether we're on a, a mat or a cushion, a chair, a stool, 
however we might be. Invite the body into a posture that encourages that quality of alertness, interest, and natural keenness of mind. So the spine is held in, in an upright way, but not stressed or tense, not rigid, tight. Just stretched to its comfortable, natural, full extension. That's all. And then let the rest of the body relax around that. Taking a few minutes at the beginning of each sitting period, walking period too, to bring attention into the body, to notice the, the habits of, uh, of the posture, how we tend to stand, how we tend to sit, And then through appreciation of those habits and seeing what is helpful, what is unhelpful, then guiding the body to be arranged in a way that encourages both alertness, attention, brightness of mind, and relaxation. So that with the spine as the, the central column, the axis of the physical body, then we invite the rest of the body to soften to be fully at ease, relaxed around that. So there's a, a balancing of energy and relaxation. Effort is being made, but it's not stressful. It's not trying to get something, be something. And the effort of concentrating the mind, particularly at the beginning of a retreat, the first few days, there's a, a natural agitation. Having come from far away, or having had a thousand and one things to do here at Amravati before the retreat began, there's a, a natural uh, collection of, of ripples, echoes, the after-effects of activity, movement, engagement, is to be expected. So in the same way, we give direction to our mind as we give direction to the body, to be paying attention to the present, but also to be attuning to what the condition of the, the mind is, just like attuning to the condition of the body, we recognize the well, first few days of the retreat is often just sliding between being sleepy and agitated, being in a dull, semi-conscious state, or the mind racing around here, there, and everywhere. That's natural. So we work with the qualities of mind that are present. We work with the qualities of the body, the, the world around us, the weather around us, as they are. In the making of effort in meditation, the effort to concentrate, 
to bring the attention to the present, then I feel the most important thing is to learn how to make that effort to give that direction free of the qualities of self-view. Again, free of that I must, I should, I want to, I've got to get, I have to get rid of. If we start out with a contentious attitude, with a set of enemies and problems, my chattering thoughts, my lustful fantasies, my uh, aching bones, my, uh, my doubts, my fears, my aversions, got to get rid of all of that and got to concentrate on the, the uh, inflow, outflow of the breath. We have a fight on our hands. We're in the middle of a, of a battle zone. Lumpur Chai used to call meditation a, a holiday for the heart. It paints a very different picture than being out in a, in a battlefield, you know, trying to conquer your defilements and, and uh, uh, <coughs> destroy the hindrances. It's that perception of a holiday for the heart. So that doesn't mean being lazy or switched off or just numb or disconnected, but rather there's a, a quality of, of ease. And the main source, the main basis, the ground for that ease is freeing the heart from self-view, sakaya ditti. This means to to recognize all those habits of I should, I must, I used to be able to and now I can't and I really want to. To notice all those I-makings and mine-makings. To be alert to that. To recognize that the mind doesn't have to follow those impulses. So effort needs to be made. It's a path. There's a, there's a training. It's a, there's a direction that we are aiming to give the mind. But that direction is given by mindfulness and wisdom, satipanya. It's not given by, by the ego, by habits of self-view and conceit. I must, I should, I want to get, I've got to get rid of. It's satipanya, mindfulness and wisdom, that guides the skillful direction, which is not connected to self-view. It's not connected to conceit or I and me and mine. That quality of mindfulness and wisdom is an attribute of the pure heart, the jitta itself. So in making effort, then I like to point out there's what the Buddha called the four samapadanas, the four aspects of right effort. First of all, there's the conscious restraining of the unwholesome. So there's the intention, the effort to, to not let the mind drift into dullness or agitation, or drifting into sensual desires, not drifting into doubt and aversion. There's that intention, that effort to restrain 
the unwholesome from arising. But if the unwholesome has arisen, if the mind is lost in a, a wave of aversion and complaining, worrying, fantasizing, then again guided by mindfulness and wisdom, there's the noticing of that. This is a the replaying of an aversive fantasy, wanting to have revenge on someone who's annoyed us, longing for something that we want to get that's going to be a pleasant experience. Noticing that, acknowledging it. This is unskillful. And then that recognition leading to the relinquishment, pahanati. So with respect to the unwholesome, there's the restraining, samvara, the intention, the effort to restrain the unwholesome from arising, but if it has arisen, if it's already here, then pahanati, pahana, to let go, to relinquish. And once again, just to, to underscore that, it's not I should restrain the unwholesome. I've got to stop this from arising. I mustn't let myself think this. I shouldn't feel that. There's no I or me or mine involved in these four right efforts. They're free of that desire to become. They're free of self-view, of conceit. Free of I and me and mine. That which recognizes the potential for the unwholesome to arise is not self, it's not a person. The source of that effort to restrain, that's not a person either. If the unwholesome has arisen, that which recognizing, oh, this is a sexual fantasy, this is a, a worry, this is an angry impulse, that which recognizes those emotions and reactions, moods, that's not a person. It's not a self, it doesn't belong to a self. It's mindfulness, wisdom. Richa, awakened awareness. Then the cultivation of the wholesome, bhavana, the conscious bringing into being of what is wholesome. The quality of concentration the effort to bring the attention to the present reality. The effort to cultivate an attitude of acceptance, loving-kindness. The effort to be alert, to be awake. Once again, it's not, I should be awake, I have to be more loving and kind, I have to get more concentrated. But rather, there is the recognition of the mind's potential to be awake. There's the knowledge, the recognition, the heart can be kind, can be accepting, there can be metta. There's the knowledge that the attention can focus, can concentrate. These capacities are here. So, that intention, that effort to bring those into being, seeing that they are wholesome, knowing that they have a good result, beneficial, peaceful, liberating, 
then that effort can be acted upon, followed. That direction can be taken without there being any kind of stressing. I should, I must, I've got to get, I have to keep, I should be more. All of that I should, I must, I have to, I want is completely extra. The jitta, the heart itself, recognizes what's wholesome, knows the value of bringing the wholesome into being. So this is pavana, development. And then the fourth one, anurakana, is to protect, to cherish. Whatever wholesome qualities that have arisen, the quality of concentration, focused attention, the mind grounded in the present, Acknowledging the quality of non-contention, loving-kindness, a radical acceptance in the heart. Recognizing the quality of energy, alertness, well-established, and the effort to maintain that, to keep that going, to feed that. That again doesn't have to be me staying concentrated, me staying awake. The power source is mindfulness and wisdom. It's this jitta itself. The mind is not a person. The jitta isn't a person. doesn't belong to a person. The mind is dhamma. So at the beginning of a retreat period like this, it's, I feel it's most beneficial to get to know those self-creating, self-forming and judging habits, to get to know those voices of the mind that say, I should, I must, I have, I haven't, I've got, I haven't got. To get to know those voices and to essentially not trust them. To let them go to challenge them. Is that so? To get to know that flavor of selfing, I and me and mine as it takes shape, get to know it. And see that the heart has the power to let go of that, to not feed it, not maintain it. And then to notice how when effort is made free of self-view, what's the result? A lot of effort can be made but it's not burdensome, it's not stressful. The heart isn't waiting for it to be over so that it can be peaceful. The effort itself is a peaceful process. The making of effort itself is peaceful with the right attitude. <laughs>